0: The power of their data wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. It's Tribe time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the
1: Cleveland Indians Radio Network. tribe Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Everyone. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland where the Indians are in a brief, but as will be the case the rest of the way, important homestand. They're taking on the Royals this weekend in a three-game series, and then they're back out on the road again. Still games on Saturday night, 7:10, and tomorrow afternoon, Sunday afternoon at 110. if you're tuned to this live as it happens uh, during the Saturday time frame prior to Tribe Baseball. Indians and Royals open up their series on Friday night. The Indians with a solid 4-1 win to snap a three-game losing skid and they remain extremely close to front-running Minnesota heading into play on Saturday. The Indians were just two and a half back of the first place twins in the American League's Central Division. Coming up a little bit later on on this week's show, we will hear from Indians starting pitcher Adam Pletko, also Mike Freeman, Indians utility infielder who has really played a key role on this ball club and performed well in a difficult role coming off the bench. We'll also hear from former Indians pitching coach and now manager of the New York Mets, Mickey Calloway, and Dan Zack, Pleszak, Zach Pleszak's uncle. Dan, a longtime major league pitcher and now works for the MLB Network, and he had a chance to to catch up with his nephew while the team was in New York, and uh, we had a chance to visit with Dan as well. Always fun to see him. And James Harris will bring us up to date on happenings in the farm system with the weekly farm report as well. But first, we had a chance to visit with Mike Chernoff, the Indians general manager when the team was in New York, and we're getting close to that time where a lot of roster decisions will have to be made as the Indians are hopefully preparing for playoff action. That's the plan anyway and certainly has to be taken into account when they talk about roster moves at the end of August and that September 1st roster expansion time. So we asked Mike about the focus of the front office right now as the
2: Indians get closer to that final month of the regular season. Just feed up and relax. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this has been obviously a really tough stretch uh, and challenging time within the schedule. So the focus is on just trying to help the team win every day. It's a little bit different than past August. And past August, you're you know uh, scouring through hundreds of waiver potential waiver claims every day. Um, at this point, you have the team you have is the team you're going with. Um, postseason roster eligibility ends on August 31st, so you got to have all the guys on the team by then. Um, but we're mostly just focused on how do we get the team that we have out there to perform to their best and be prepared as best as possible, and then how do we add some of our injured guys back in as they potentially get reinstated off the IL. And you did touch on that the, the August 31st and, and potential
1: postseason, things like that. Uh, what are some of the keys there that, that you really need to focus on to, to make sure you're ready uh, if indeed there is postseason?
2: Yeah. So um, again, it's a little bit different this year just because of the, you don't have the ability to make trades in August. But the real focus is on depth. It's on building depth and making sure that you have the depth you need in case there is any sort of injury um, in September. So you have to have a guy in your organization by August 31st. But once they're in, whether they're in the minor leagues or the major leagues, they can be eligible for a, a potential postseason roster. So a lot of our focus has been on how do we make sure that you know, we have the right guys in here that we're making depth trades in the minor leagues or looking at outright waiver claims or things like that to see if there's anybody that we potentially want to add.
1: Mike Chernoff joining us, Indians general manager. And uh, for you, a homecoming. You grew up on the Jersey side, not too far from here. And uh, what's it like for you and your family to, to have these trips to New York and Yankee Stadium?
2: Yeah, I mean, I love coming back to New York. I grew up about 30 minutes outside of the city. I was actually a Yankee fan growing up as a kid. My dad was a diehard Yankee fan. We have all switched allegiance now. Thankfully, my dad wears the Indians gear with pride, but it's fun. I get to see a lot of family. I bring my own family in often, uh, and so my kids get to see their grandparents. It is fun to have a lot of family around here for sure. And for
1: people in Cleveland, a one-team town, it's easy. You root for the tribe. That's your baseball team. Growing up here, explain that dynamic as someone whose first job in baseball was with the Mets as an intern. uh, What's the dynamic?
2: How do you choose and and how vicious can that rivalry be, Yankees and Mets? That is quite vicious and uh, so it's interesting. I was a diehard Yankee fan as a kid and then my dad started working for the radio station that covered the Mets at the time and I started getting interested in the Mets. And I got crushed by all my friends for for liking both teams. That was, like, unheard of. You're not allowed to have that. You have to choose one. I did an internship with the Mets as my first job in baseball between junior and senior years of college. So I started to like them even a little bit more and got crushed for that. Uh, And thankfully, I'm back in a one-team city, uh, and my allegiance is strongly there. So uh, I don't have that problem anymore. Will you be heading over to City Field for the second half of this trip? I'm actually not going to be heading over there. Um... But you know, we're hoping to just keep things rolling and uh and obviously it's a tight race, so we're looking forward to this next five, six weeks of the season. You mentioned that and
1: um getting back to the baseball side of it, Jose Ramirez going through a, a great stretch. He looks like himself again. Early in the season he was struggling and Tito had steadfast belief in him. His teammates, the same thing, just said, Hey, he's a good hitter, he'll reach his level. From a baseball operation standpoint, What, if anything, do you do to help him, maybe on that analytics side? And do you
2: hold that same belief that eventually good players reach their level? So we do everything we possibly can to support our players and coaches with the analytics um, and any information that they need. I will say with Jose, I think we all felt strongly. He had been so good in the past and he was working so hard every day, uh, very consistently to work through it. It's not like there was any major flaw that we saw in what he was doing because approach was just off a little bit, a couple of small mechanical things. But when you see a guy working that hard to get through it and he had been so good in the past, you know that he can get, get through this, uh, a tough stretch like he had. It's the players where, you know, they've had two, three months of good performance and they don't know why they had that good performance and they're not putting in the consistent work. Those are the guys you get worried about. But that never happened with Jose. So I think we had a lot of belief that uh, and optimism that he'd be able to get through it and it's obviously paid off here. Uh, That belief certainly
1: has, and he's been a big key to the Indians' good stretch. Mike, always great to have you on. Thanks. Absolutely, Rosie. Thanks. And Indians General Manager Mike Chernoff, joining us here on Tribe Talk. Stay tuned. More to come after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network.
0: Welcome back to Sports View. Today's topic, who deserves to win big this season? My two cents, good drivers. I mean, that's why there's snapshot from progressive. Let's go to Rick for some confusing metaphors. Look, if you put a classically trained cellist in a garage band and you tell them to play for Layman Young, I guarantee you, the meat on that burrito ain't gonna light the candle. Thanks for clarifying, Rick.
3: If you're a good driver, there's no other way to say it. You deserve discounts with Snapshot. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents.
4: Welcome
1: back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Adam Pletko has had a strong season in that Indian starting rotation after beginning the year on the disabled list and working his way back from the triple A level. With all the injuries to the rotation, Pletko's received a, a real nice opportunity to be in that rotation on a regular basis, and he has performed well. Despite not coming away with a win in his last start against the Mets earlier this week. He did pitch well in a blowout victory over the Yankees on that road trip. He was the starter in that 19-5 Indians win over New York in the opener of the, the most recent road trip. And he, he talked about pitching with a big lead. The Indians put up seven in that first inning.
5: And uh, he said it's a certain mindset you have to have when you start with a big lead like that. Uh, mostly just don't give up seven runs in the bottom half of the inning too. Uh... You know, it was it was definitely a little dicey in the first, no doubt about it. But uh, I was able to kind of wiggle out of there with just one run. And, you know, I feel like if I I just give them one run across a couple innings, I, I always feel like we have a good chance to win the game. So once I only gave up one, I, I kind of felt like we could establish a rhythm and, and get back in a little bit. This is not the easiest part to pitch in because of the short porch in right. Does that change in any way how you approach hitters? You just got to be careful, especially behind in the count. I feel like a little bit more, um, place like this, maybe a walk isn't the, the worst thing in the world compared to a fly ball that goes for a home run. From a pure strategy standpoint, probably not. You're still going to attack the hitters with your strengths. So uh, a little bit, but in general, not a whole lot. Post-game, you really gave
1: a lot of credit to Roberto Perez for helping you get through. What can he do to, to help you on any particular start that's so beneficial and, and maybe just because of what he does
5: and, and, and his ability to help pitchers? Yeah, like I said, post game, I, I really do feel like he's probably the best game managing catcher I've ever been around. He he really understands who the pitcher is in front of him and he really understands who the hitter is in front of him. And he can kind of match up, say, my curveball's better that day. He can kind of match up my curveball to that hitter that he thinks is really going to struggle with it. And he does a phenomenal job of just having a feel for the game and the hitters that are in front of him. How long did it take to, to get on that same page with you? You know what? Roberto's pretty spectacular in the sense that he can understand a pitcher almost immediately. And and um, now that I've thrown to him quite a bit over the last couple years, uh he really knows who I am, but then on top of it, what I bring that day, he he can adjust on the fly. Um, like I said, he's just his baseball IQ, I guess, is the way that you can put it that a lot of people might understand is is just off the charts. So you're in this game last night that's uh, record
1: breaking in certain areas and certainly uncommon in a lot of areas offensively. Because you're pitching, are you able to enjoy what's going on out there offensively?
5: Yeah, almost in the first, I kind of looked up and said to somebody, like, are we going to play defense today or is it just home run derby? You know, I, I, I wanted to get out there, but at the same time, every pitcher would tell you they'll take as many runs as uh, the hitters would give them. So it was kind of a fine line of trying to stay locked in because I had to go out and shut them down. But at the same point, I, I wanted to enjoy all those runs that we were scoring too. And you pitch here at Yankee Stadium, and I know that ballparks mean something to you, the, the
1: traditional ones. Where does this one, one slot in the Wrigleys and the Fenways?
5: Yeah, it's right up there. I mean, this place is really cool. Not to say that, you know, Kansas City or one of those isn't as cool. I think it's just uh, atmosphere at, at those kind of parks make, uh, make it all a little bit better. And uh, that, the atmosphere last night was definitely raucous, and uh, I felt that in the first for sure.
1: That's Adam Pletko, really having a nice season for the Tribe. You can pretty much mark it down. He's going to give the ball club six strong innings with uh, just about every start, and he's been able to do that so far in 2019. Another player who wasn't really on the radar at the start of the season for the Indians but has played a key backup role for this ball club is Mike Freeman. He was nursing an injury issue during spring training and really didn't have a chance to show what he could do, but he was able to get going get healthy, and after starting the season at Triple A Columbus, got an early call-up, and when he has been in the lineup, for the most part, he has performed, and while it's not an easy role to fill, I think we saw last Sunday in New York against the Yankees, at times he can certainly be an asset to this ball club, as he came up with a huge three-run home run in that game, a couple of other hits as well, and when we caught up with Mike earlier this week, he, he says he... It's not easy to be ready, but he always seems to be, and uh, he talked about the keys to being successful in that utility role.
6: I think for me, just kind of having that mentality of being ready, you know, visualization goes a lot into it of just visualizing yourself having success so that, you know, you expect good things to happen when you do get in there, and, you know, I think uh, not being overwhelmed by the situation or feeling like I've had too much time off between seeing pitches and that sort of thing. and just kind of my, get myself prepared mentally uh, every day to play, whether my, my name's in the lineup or not.
1: Out after the game, you made a great point about the lot of someone who doesn't get that chance to play every day and what can happen whether you have success or don't have success. And Explain how that can really differ if you're playing every day or not.
6: Yeah, I think uh, in my situation, if you're not playing every day, uh, you don't have tomorrow to kind of pick yourself up if you have a bad game. So. That's where the mental side of the game really comes into play of just you know, being okay, handling failure and, and kind of learning how to handle failure uh, over the years of being in this game and, and adapting to the role of being a utility guy and knowing how you can help your team even if you're not in the lineup and kind of figuring out those ways to, to provide uh, energy um, even if you're, you're not out on the field.
1: You had an opportunity to have a nice game in front of family. And that doesn't happen every day. Who was at the game the other day and what did that mean to you to have them there?
6: Uh, my parents were there, my, my wife and daughter, and uh, my sister in law was in town visiting. So, uh, yeah, it certainly made that, that day extra special just to have them there to share in that, that kind of success. And, you know, sometimes they come in town and you don't play the whole series. So, for them to be in town and me being in the lineup was, was really cool. And, you know, obviously to have a game like I did made it all that more special. Mike Freeman joining
1: us. Nice day on Sunday for Mike. Big home run and the Indians win over the Yankees and your first visit to Yankee Stadium as a major league player and you had a chance to go out and see the monuments uh, Sunday morning before the game. What, what was that experience like for you as as someone who I know appreciates baseball history?
6: Oh, it was very cool especially we, we went the day before uh, but we got out there a little later and so a lot of the fans were there and so it was really crowded and the next day, made sure to go out a little earlier uh, when the Monument Park was empty, which kind of made it a lot more surreal and special to kind of see, that, you know, be able to take your time and read uh, the different plaques and kind of take in that history of being a Yankee Stadium. You know, my grandfather was a big baseball history buff, and certainly kind of that was ingrained in me at an early age. And kind of be able to take in so much history in one place of the game of baseball uh, kind of puts things in perspective of where I'm at today.
1: Not every player
6: is like that. I think a lot of players, um, it's just not all
1: that important for whatever reason. Maybe they just they played it a lot but didn't necessarily w- were big fans of the game. But uh, you mentioned your granddad and, and how that impacted you. Has that made this, this journey through the major leagues a, a little more special when you go to different places like Yankee Stadium?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my mom and I were talking about it yesterday, just if he were with us today, just how enthralled he would be with everything that's going on. Um, and just how beside himself he would be at my success. And uh, there was uh, Royals pitcher Jeff Montgomery, who I grew up hearing all about because he was from Wilson, Ohio, where my granddad's from. My mom was born and raised. And so Jeff Montgomery was a guy we always knew about and drove to Vero Beach for spring training uh, from Orlando. And, um, you know, if he could uh, be here to to share in it, uh, you know, he'd be – he wouldn't know what to do with himself, uh, being such a big hit, uh, baseball fan.
1: You're no stranger to, to being a part of good teams. You were with the Cubs when they had a, a great run a couple of years back. Uh, what are you seeing from this team after a really challenging stretch of 20 games and, and getting ready to fire it up now for the last month plus?
6: Just the ability to um, not give in to adversity. and uh, I don't think anyone was ever really worried about where we were. Uh, you know, We talked about it in media, and sometimes to, you know, uh, kind of fend, fend off some of the naysayers, but that wasn't really the case with us. We really never felt like we were out of out of the pennant race um, in the central, and, um, you know, it's just a really, really good group, close group of guys. There's a lot of talk about our text chain and, and all that, and I think, you know, nobody's off limits. Uh, you know, it, it kind of makes for really good chemistry and, and makes makes the, the hard times easier to, to uh withstand and the, the the good times that much more fun.
1: It has been fun to watch, that's for sure. Mike, thanks a lot for coming by. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. That's Mike Freeman, Indians infielder and then uh, sometimes pitcher too. They've had to use him in that role a couple of times, but uh, very versatile outfield as well and uh, at the plate has come up with some key base hits for the Tribe. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come as Tribe Talk continues after this short break on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And a lot of different ways to listen to our show each week. You can do so on the radio on the Indians Radio Network, usually a couple of hours before the first pitch of the Saturday game on that particular week. WTAM, our flagship station in Cleveland, carries it every week, as does W.A.K.R. down in Akron and many of our other stations as well. So just check in with them each week to find out the time. They can run it whenever they like, but most pick it up right when the Indians are uh, playing on that Saturday a couple hours before the pregame show begins. So that's one way to check it out. You can also go to Indians.com where the, uh, the different editions of Tribe Talk are archived there. You can catch it uh, shortly after it airs and also whenever you like. Same holds true as a podcast form on Apple iTunes or the iHeartRadio app. So a couple of ways to catch it in podcast form whenever you like on uh, your mobile device. Certainly a lot of convenience there for you to tune in to Tribe Talk. Well, as we continue with this week's show, we had a chance to catch up with Zach plezak's Uncle Dan a little bit earlier this week. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Zach Plesak, rookie pitcher for the Indians, has had a fine season, won another ball game. On uh, Friday night, here against the Royals, with another solid performance and uh, boy, after starting the season at double A, he really has been a savior for that starting rotation, along with Aaron Savalli, who was in the same boat, started the season at double a well zach's uncle Dan please longtime major league pitcher, and uh, now works for the MLB network as a commentator and we caught up with Dan in New York, he was in town and had a chance to catch up with his nephew and uh, we asked him about what it's been like so far watching Zach Plezak succeed at the highest level.
7: It's been a great ride for everybody for me and both of my brothers and Zach's dad my brother Ron it's been it's been like a dream come true to see him and to watch his first start when he warmed up at Fenway Park and knowing that I warmed up on that mound and I know what it's like I know what it feels like with people screaming and yelling and to watch him go toe to toe with David Price was amazing the rain delay he came back out and pitched well i think the craziest part of the similarities between zach and i in 1986 i broke in my first big league loss was to the chicago white Sox. his first loss was to the white Sox. my next game zach's next start was against the yankees he picked up a win i picked up my first win against the yankees so it's like you can't make it up you cannot when you look at at your relationship growing up
1: how often were were you around and, and able to maybe lend some pointers and a helping hand to him as his baseball career grew?
7: Summers, obviously I wasn't around very much because I was playing. But as Zach started to get older and I started to be able to follow him, my playing career kind of leaned right into MLB Network. So I haven't really been home a lot in the summers. And I haven't got much of a chance to see him pitch in college or high school and even at the pro level. And I feel really bad because... The one start he had on the Sunday day game, he pitched great. He picked up a loss against the White Sox. Everybody in my family was there but me, but I was working at MLB Network in New Jersey. It's hard for me to get away on the weekends, and this just worked out perfect. I, I did some games for the Brewers TV last week, so I wasn't able to go to any of the weekend games in Yankee Stadium, but I'm off uh, the couple of nights here in New York to get a chance to see him at City Field. So I walked in the first guy I saw was Zach, so it was like it was meant to be. I, it seems... Like pitching wise, you guys are extremely different. Is that true, or or are it's, there
1: some similarities in
7: some uh, ways? We have we have some similarities. Then I think that we both are, are. I guess you would say our personalities are the same. He's really fast tempo, upbeat, and I know that's how I was. Um, when I watch him on the mound, he's much more athletic than I ever was. Uh, I like to think that I was in my time, former basketball player. I was actually going to NC State to play basketball. But he's athletic. A play he made the last start in Yankee Stadium, a bullet hit back up the middle that he turned into a 1-6-3 you know, double play. He gets the balls that I know that I couldn't get to. I think he has the best right-handed pickoff move in the game right now. And he's gotten better with each start. He's, he's, he's learning on the fly, not an easy thing to do. Um, I went through that in 86. I went from double-A right to the big leagues. And every win and every loss and every game is different. Every mound is different. Every warm-up session is different and you know he's learning that no two games are the same you'll never throw the same pitch twice you can have a bad night and go work on in a bullpen the next day but you can't relive it you can't redo that one you can only worry about the next one and that's the hardest part to me about being good in this sport on the mound for a long period of time is you have to be focused on the next pitch that you're throwing not the one that you threw not the one that ended up in the bleachers or down the left field line worry about the next one you're about to throw and block out the noise and it's easier said than done. Dan please, Zach, joining us, Zach's uncle.
1: Before we let you go, uh, you know Terry Francona, very obviously. Well. He says you are the glove master that you used to work on his gloves. Is this true and, and if so, how?
7: It is 100% true. I couldn't do a whole lot around the baseball field. I wasn't very good like at home, but I was really good at putting gloves together and I could restring a glove and oil a glove as good as anybody in baseball. And I was fortunate to play with Terry in Milwaukee and he saw me working on a glove one day and he said, can you work on mine? One glove turned into two, turned into three. And the next thing you know, I was Terry Francona's glove doctor. I would have liked to be, I'd like to think I was a pretty good pitcher, but Terry and I go back a long way and it was so cool because he texted me uh, the day that Zach found out he was getting called up and he was gonna start in Fenway. And it was, I still have the text saved on my phone. You know, hey, just wanted to let you know, we're calling Zach up, he's pitching in Fenway. Um, he's already been told and just thought you'd like to know. I have it saved on my phone. And uh, this whole experience, its it's been great for Zach, but it's also been great for me with my ties with Major League Baseball. Just to see him going through and enjoying What I was able to go through, you can't beat it. Is there a better manager that that you'd rather have your nephew pitch for when he's making his initial starts? No, there isn't. And I'll I'll tell you this, and Terry Francona is on the way to Cooperstown. What he was able to do with the Red Sox, and I think a lot of people looked at when he arrived here in Cleveland, like what the heck is he doing, right? Small market team, doesn't have the bullets that he had, but he's as good as they get. And it's always good to have good friends hanging around, right? Yeah. (laughs) Sandy Alomar right here. (laughs) Played against him many years. (laughs) Did you own him? No, I didn't own anybody. (laughs) Nobody owned anybody on those Indians teams. Dan, thanks so much
1: for the visit. Appreciate it. You got it, thanks. That's Dan Pleszak, Zach's uncle. And uh, Zach Pleszak making a name for himself and carrying on the Pleszak name, the family name, as uh, very proudly in terms of Major League pitching, both of them. Dan with a long major league career and Zach hoping that turns out to be the case for him. He certainly is off to a good start. Stay tuned. More to come. Our final segment of Tribe Talk right around the corner after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.
3: Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff.
6: Hey, are you just going to stand there and let people not give you credit for being a good driver? You deserve discounts on car insurance, and that's what Snapshot from Progressive is for. So why aren't you signing up?
7: You need music to get pumped? Hit it.
4: Drum solo. Ow, that hurts my fingers. Ow, 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 ow,
3: Progressive ow, ow, Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina. or from all agents.
1: Jim Rosenhouse back with you on Tribe Talk, our final segment from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And earlier this week, the Indians were in New York to take on the Yankees and the Mets, and the Mets managed by a very familiar name to Tribe fans, Mickey Calloway, who was their pitching coach uh, from 2013 through the 2017 seasons, and uh, really did some great work making the Indians known for their pitching. That was the big key on the World Series run in 16 and some playoff appearances too. Now manager of the Mets in his second season and the inevitable roller coaster of managing in New York for a team that has had its ups and downs. And when we caught up with Mickey earlier this week, he talked about what it's been like managing not only the Mets, but in New York City in a baseball mad town.
4: You know what? It's great. You know, there's there's passion every single night. There's enthusiasm uh, around this team, around this city every single day. So it uh, it really brings a side of the game out that uh, you don't get to experience uh, most of the year um, other places. You know, it's a playoff. Um, game every night. It's uh, do or die, you know, the end of the world if you lose and uh, the greatest thing that ever happened if you win. So it's really exciting on a daily basis. And
1: I imagine more so right now and and maybe two months ago you couldn't have said that, but what's been the biggest key to the turnaround?
4: here? You know what, our bullpen's performing. Um, We had our significant struggles uh, in our bullpen uh, the first half of the season and they've really started to normalize and they're throwing the ball great. So uh, they're keeping us in games, they're holding leads and we're getting wins.
1: And you added at the trade deadline, which I think a lot of people, observers nationally even, said, what are the Mets doing there? But what did that mean to you and then the guys in that clubhouse when they did add?
4: Yeah, it meant a lot. You know, I think the the overall approach is just try to be the best team we can possibly be now and in the future. And uh, I think that everybody thought that Marcus Stroman was going to add that, right? We got him the rest of this year. We've got him for next year. And uh, he's a very solid pitcher. So uh, it, it brought a lot of enthusiasm to our club. A lot of energy and uh, you know we were playing good baseball at the time and now we're uh, going for it. Joined by
1: Mets manager Mickey Calloway and uh, you're in your second year now managing a Major League Baseball team after a great run as pitching coach with the Indians. What do you think prepared you at that, that time with Cleveland to become a major league manager
4: yeah I think just the thoughtfulness of the organization you know everything we did we tried to be the best at and, and I think that really prepared me for you know the experience of leading an organization um, and then being around Terry Francona Brad Mills Mike Sarbaugh all these guys that have uh, unbelievable experiences managers and coaches has Really helped me uh, try to steady the ship on a daily basis. You know, I learned a lot from those guys, watched their demeanor, listened to what they had to say, and uh, I apply all that stuff daily. So being around unbelievable people in Cleveland uh, has definitely prepared me for this anything surprise you about the job that maybe you weren't thinking
1: about when when, uh, it came about?
4: You know, I think you you take all that in stride. You know, there's different situations every single day and you just adapt. Um, um, I love getting to lead, you know, all 25 guys. You know, as a pitching coach, you're leading 12 and uh, leading 25 is is exciting and it's uh, time staking and I really enjoy it.
1: And Tito said you swung by his office yesterday, and he said it was a blast. You guys had a lot of laughs. What was that like for you to, to head on over there?
4: No, it was great. You know, like I said, I hadn't seen those guys in a couple of years, and uh, you know they're the same old bunch. You know, I'm sure they're keeping it relaxed over there, so the players can play the game the right way. And uh, it's always good to see all those guys. That's former
1: Indians pitching coach and now New York Mets manager Mickey Callaway. We conclude this week's show with a visit from James Harris, the Indians' director of player development. The weekly farm report. And this week, we focus on single-A Lynchburg in the Carolina League. A lot of movement in the system this time of year, as you'd expect. And uh, Lynchburg, no stranger to that. And we asked James how the manager down there, Jim Pankovitz, handles that and keeps players in a positive frame of mind.
8: Yeah, Pank's been in our system for a couple of years, but he's been in baseball for more than 20 years. So he understands the movement of players and as part of their development. And he's helped to transition not just the players that are moving from Lynchburg to Akron or from Lynchburg back down to Lake County, but to keep the team that's there positive and playing meaningful games.
1: Now let's focus in on, on some of the players who are there. Tyler Freeman has had a, a real nice season wherever he has been. When you look at, at his progress this season, what have you really liked that, that has stood out?
8: What's interesting is that no matter what level he's at, he's always put at the ball. So he's he's been able to make good contact with the ball as well as play some good defense at at shortstop and we'll we'll make him a little bit more versatile play a little bit of second base but he's primarily a shortstop what we'll be looking for in the future is for him to to hit the ball harder so he can hit the ball both in and outside of the zone we want him to concentrate more of what's happening in the zone and hit that harder
1: and you mentioned he's focusing on shortstop right now but that could change Uh, it just seems like the indians have a a real good depth at that position? And and why is that so important at the minor league level to really build that up and
8: then move from there? So, I mean, it's great. I mean, as the position, as you look at the position, it it includes a lot of athleticism. Guys are kind of the leaders of the infield. It's one of those premier positions that you always want to develop, but they also have to have some flexibility. But because of that athleticism, they can play second base, they can move over in the shift. We're just looking to make those athletic players versatile.
1: Also on that roster position, player-wise, is a young man named Stephen Kwan. And, and what have you seen from him as he has posted some good numbers
8: in the Carolina League? Yeah, Stephen was a, a guy who came to us, a, a real mature player. He played at Oregon State, played at the College World Series. He's a guy who's not overwhelmed by that level. Coming to the Carolina League, a guy who's an extreme bat the ball guy, plays some good defense out there in center field. We're really excited to have him hit at the top of the lineup.
1: And it always seems each year at, at the different levels, there are some players who surprise. And, and Mitch Reeves, I know, is someone that you talked about, a first baseman down there, hitting over three hundred, uh, at least in his time at Lynchburg. And and what has he done to, to kind of break through here and, and get his name on the radar?
8: Yeah, you never know when it's going to click for a player. So Mitch was a guy who was primarily an outfielder. Earlier in his career, we wanted to add some versatility to give him some opportunity to get some at-bats. He's added first base to his resume by adding first base and allowed him a chance to get in the lineup more often. As he got in the lineup more often, the bats started to wake up a little bit. He's flashed some power, and as you've talked about, also hit for average. So we're excited about his growth and his development over the past year.
1: And another position player we always like to check in on. He moved up a level uh, this season after a good start at Single-A Lake County. Will Benson, the former top draft pick for the Indians. How's he faring it at Lynchburg so far?
8: Yeah, he's he's going according to plan especially you could see the power you saw it in lake county and now you're seeing it in the carolina league i mean he's a big strong powerful guy um maybe the most powerful in our our whole system but we're going to look to refine the swing a little bit uh give him more opportunities to make contact and hit the ball hard when he does because he's a big powerful athletic guy um, he's played all three outfield positions it's been interesting to see him his growth over the course of this year.
1: James Harris joining us, Indians Director of Player Development. We are talking single-A Lynchburg this week as their season begins to wind down. Not a whole lot left on the mound for Lynchburg. Uh, let's start with Kirk McCarty, one of the, the regular starters in the rotation right now. and. Uh, what have you seen from him and fans may say hey you know an era up over five but i know you look at a lot of different things aside from just the numbers and and what do you look at with uh mccarty so far this year
8: yeah initially he came into the season was banged up a little bit so we had a little bit of a slower start um just now starting to get up to speed uh when you're looking at the minor leagues and you're looking at stats especially with pitchers you can't always just look at, at what the box score says there's some things that those guys are working on so uh, like For example, we have pitchers that are lower in the system that throw really fast fastballs that, that young hitters can't, can't catch up to. Instead of just having them throw fastballs and strike everyone out and not develop their breaking pitches, we ask those guys to throw their breaking pitches even though we know th- that those are going to get hit. Uh, same thing with pitchers a little bit higher in the system. We'd like for them to, to work on what, what we're trying to do to develop them and not necessarily just trying to strike the guy out that they're facing that particular day. Now We like that too. But we're, we're also working with guys to develop, and he's one of those guys that, that's shown um, that he's on the right path.
1: And how about Justin Garza? It looks like some good durability there for him as, as he's made
8: a lot of starts this season for Lynchburg. It's, it's been good for him because he's been injured in the past, and that was one of the things that we wanted to see for him is him to continue to take care of his body, to be able to take the ball week after week. He's been able to do that. He's a guy who came over from college, um, so he was more mature coming in. and This is his first full season of being healthy. So we're really excited about his future. All right,
1: we'll finish with a really neat story. There's some on every team, it seems, in minor league baseball each year. Brock Hartson, a pitcher who you didn't have at the start of the season, explain how come and where he came from to join
8: the Lynchburg Ball Club. Yeah, uh, Brock was in in our system for three years before he retired. So he retired, wanted to get into coaching, went to the coaching ranks and college. He had, he had a little bit of an injury before, so he left baseball, went to coach, and then got the itch and called us back at the end of the, the college season and said he wanted to get back in. He was a great teammate. He was a good pitcher, Um so we were excited to have him back. He came back in around June, and he's been pitched his way back up in the high A, and we're excited to see where he can take it from here.
1: Always some some neat stories at the minor league level, and uh, we'll keep an eye on him see where he takes it. Uh, James, always great to have you on. Thanks a lot. As as your season winds down, uh, good to check in, and we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. That's James Harris, Indians Director of Player Development, the weekly farm report, and that'll do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us. Hope you can join us again next week. The Indians will be back out on the road down south in St. Petersburg, Florida, taking on the Tampa Bay Rays next weekend. Hope you can join us then. Until then, thanks to Brian Matze, as always, with his help in putting together our show each week. This is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.